Alright, I'm Stavo and this is Vision is Greater Than Anything and my guest today is Munir Darbaki. Munir is a friend of mine that I met a few years ago playing soccer in Minnesota. Um, I went on a tryout and his dad, dad invited me out to come play and so we met through that and right off the bat we had some awesome conversations. We were interested in soccer and then mixed martial arts and all sorts of stuff outside of that as well. Um, so I think we developed a pretty good relationship and, and stayed in touch over the past two or three years since we've known each other. And he has a similar journey to mine in some sense, uh, coming from a soccer background, uh, but very different in the sense that he grew up in a soccer family, I did not. Um, so before I give everything away about Munir, I just want to know right off the bat, what's your vision? So basically, uh, my vision is coming from a soccer background, um, I run a sports media company and our goal is to enhance and improve all of the sports footage throughout Minnesota. And eventually I'd like to branch out into, you know, nationwide. And um, it all started uh, when I came back from my freshman year of college. Uh, I, was, I was playing college soccer in Michigan. Wasn't the greatest experience and I ended up just coming home. And I had an internship doing coding and whatnot, which was, which was cool, but it wasn't something I'm passionate about. So, and I had made highlight videos in the past for other players. And my older brother recommended to me, why don't you do it for like for money as a business? Mm -hmm. So I started doing it for my my home, my uh, original high school team, and it took off from there. All right, good deal. How long have you been doing that so far then? I started in September 2015, so five years. Okay. And are you still playing today or is that or is that done? Soccer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I still play from time to time. It's mostly to help out my brother's team. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I'm still capable of playing at a at a relatively high level. Yeah. Um, I'm not game fit, but I, I still play. I'm, sure. I'm still passionate about it. Do you know when it came to that first year? Because when I first went to play in college as well, it was not what I, not what I expected. Um, there's just like so many things. That yeah, I don't, I don't like, think it's what anyone expects it no, to be. No, no. So tell me about your experience a little bit. I mean, why was it, what was the good parts and then what were the rough parts? Because I, I know there were a lot of rough ones. I know there is for me, for a lot of players. Uh, how mm -hmm. was your experience that first year you were there? It was really interesting. Uh, me and my twin brother had received full scholarships, both academic and athletic, to mm -hmm. uh, cover basically all the expenses except for, for housing. But um, I, I had got scouted at a, uh, an Oakland uh, University uh, camp, mm -hmm. which Oakland is in, in Michigan as well. Yeah. But the Saginaw Valley State University coach was there scouting players, and uh, he decided that uh, my twin brother and I were, were a good catch. So he offered us um, the money. And obviously the, the main thing we were looking for was for uh, school to get paid. And uh, we, we, we took the offer, we went out. Uh, it was a really interesting uh, start because Hafid had discovered that he had, my, my twin brother Hafid, mm -hmm. he had discovered that he had uh, torn his ACL, his meniscus, and he had been playing on it for about a year. He just thought it was some like IT band injury or whatever. It was, it was a lot worse than he originally thought. So um, he got surgery and he actually ended up redshirting. So I kind of felt like I had to carry you know, two players scholarships, which was a lot of money at the time. And um, yeah, it, it started off well, training was going well. Um, the first games came around and I wasn't getting playing time. Uh, do decent in training and the players were asking me, why aren't you playing? And I was like, I don't know, ask the coach. And I actually had a really good uh, rapport with the coach. Like mm -hmm. he, he, he's familiar with a lot of uh, uh, different cultures. He, he's he's, a, he's a American, he's a mm -hmm. Jewish American, but mm -hmm. he's familiar with a lot of different cultures just like I am. So, I mean, when we first started speaking, it, we hit it off really well, yeah. but I didn't understand why he wasn't giving me playing time. And I guess maybe I, I wasn't performing as good as he expected me to be, but uh, I ended up playing only about four games out of, you know, a 22 game season. Mm -hmm. uh, on my debut, I scored within 30 seconds and I was playing pretty good and I was still confused as to why I wasn't getting playing time, but it just ended up, you know, not happening. And I also kind of figured out that 
there's some politics involved and whatnot. Like he, he had been coaching from a young age. Uh, I think he took that job when he was like 27 or something. Mm -hmm. And his, his senior class that season was the first class that he had been coaching. So he kind of felt like a special bond with them and he wanted to give them a lot of playing time, which I mean, I'm in hindsight, it doesn't really really bother me. But at the time I was like really pissed because, you know, if you're the best player, you should play. And I felt like I was the best player. Sure. But I have, I, I still have tons of respect for the coach. Like he gave me the opportunity and, he actually just followed me today on Instagram, and I followed him back. Like we're, we're, we still get along very well. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, especially when you go through something like that. Like, your head can go to so many different places, and, and it's hard to it's hard to make out like what any of that stuff means. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when I went, I struggled with confidence for some reason. When I before I got there, everything was going awesome. I felt good about getting to where I was, and then when the season came, my confidence just took a hit right off the bat. And I don't know if it's because maybe being on my own for the first time in another state or just not being comfortable with the level of the game when I went to college. And it just like hit me right off the bat. And so that whole year was a massive struggle. And so my confidence took a massive hit. And it took me years and years and years to get it back. In fact, after I went to play at Illinois, that year after that is when I came to Minnesota to play with you guys. And then, even then, when I had the tryout, I thought it went okay. But the confidence still wasn't there. So when the season started, everything started going downhill again. And at that point, and I'm going to ask you this as well about confidence, but for me it seems like – you know, no matter how much you train, no matter how much you think you know the game or how much you prepare, when that confidence isn't there, it's, it's like you've never touched the ball in a day in your life. It's like you don't know what – like your body doesn't want to do what you want it to do. And I couldn't make sense of it for years and years and years. Did your confidence take a hit after that? Or, or when you've had hits in confidence, how do you get that back? To be honest, my confidence was being, you know, the top player in, in, in the state of Minnesota for high school to, you know – being uh, like a, a fully full scholarship player and then not playing any games. So I was really in my head. I was like, am, am I, do I not belong here? Am I not meant for the next level? I started asking myself all these kinds of questions, but the, the way that you get it back is by, you have to step back and look, look at the bigger picture and be like, all right, is college soccer going to make it or break it for me? No, it's not going to like, there's so many other, you know, paths you can take for soccer that, this is just one year of your life. And it, at that, to, to this day, that was the longest year of my life. Mm-hmm. 20, I believe, I believe it was 14, 15. That was the season. That was my freshman year. That was the longest uh, two semesters of my life. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a, I took 17 credits the first semester, 15 credits the second semester. Um, you know, it was literally 8 a.m. until 3 p.m. was classes. Then I had training. And then we had 6 a.m. on Tuesdays. And then it was just like, and I didn't travel for a single away game. Yeah. It didn't suit me up for a single away game. And that really, uh, are we allowed to cuss? Yeah, be you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, it really, it fucked with my head. Like, yeah. it really did. And um, I, I think it didn't take me until about like, a year and a half uh, uh, being away from uh, that college, yeah. that whole experience, that I really started to get confident again. But, um, yeah, I just feel like that really... It, it's also about how passionate you are sure. about what you're doing. And that really just killed my passion. Like I, I, I had felt like it had just, the, my passion had been degrading ever since that, that point in time. Yeah. And um, it was really confidence. It's also about not really caring. It sounds stupid, but it's also like, okay, if I miss this penalty, I'm not really going to care. So I'm just going to do what I do. Like it's normal. Like it's nothing. That's like when you, when you train, you have to treat a game in a high pressure situation. Like it's training. That's how you. That's how you don't freak out and get excited and sure. miss a good opportunity. You see that in a lot of good players. Like for example, uh, in, let's say basketball. LeBron James. Yeah. He knows when he drives in. He knows exactly what he's going to do because he's done it a million times in practice. Mm-hmm. So it feels like practice to him in the game. 
And that's why in clutch moments or whatever, same thing with Kobe. Like, they've done this a million times. That's why they're so confident in what they're doing. It's yeah. almost like they don't care. Right, right. I think it's like another thing. Hopefully was, that answered the question. Oh, for sure, for sure. I, I think it's always it's obviously easier to answer that question in hindsight. You know what I mean? Yeah. When, when you're living it in that moment and you have those questions. I mean, you go to some awful places. Like for myself, this was my passion and I pursued it with everything I had. And when nothing was going right, you, you start to get like really cynical. Like, is soccer the cause of all my problems now too? The thing that I love more than mm-hmm. anything, is this why like, I'm so upset and stressed and like confused all the time? When I give everything for it and then nothing goes right. Because at that time when you're going through it, you don't think to yourself that maybe I'm just not good enough because you think if, if I sacrifice enough and if I do everything correctly, I should be doing all right. And you can never, it, it's hard to tell yourself that I, maybe maybe I'm just not cut out for this. That's something you don't know. And I think mm-hmm. when it comes to that, that passion thing, I think that's what got me through all of it in the first place. I think I, I, I had a span of years where nothing was going right. Like my two years in Minnesota were rough. My year when I was in Illinois was very rough. After that is when things started to click, and I think that was because I was at one of the lowest points when I went overseas for the first time to try. That was after, I think after Minnesota the second year, and I was like, I don't know what in the world is what I'm doing anymore. I just went there, and I just thought, well, I got nothing else to lose. Maybe I'll just take it a day at a time, and let me just see what happens. That, that not caring thing, you know what I mean? Like it, It's a weird thing. I think we care too much sometimes and take it too seriously. I think yes. that crushed me a lot of times because when things don't go well, I always took it personal, you know what I mean? And so when I went there... And didn't care. I just said, let me just take a day at a time. I never played better in my life. And then after that, the confidence mm-hmm. skyrocketed, you know. So it, for me, it was difficult to, to work on that confidence all the time. It kind of happened just by sticking with it. I think in my mind, I, I had always a big picture for why I did it. I didn't want to just play, just to play professional. That sounds cool. But in my heart, I always thought that I'm going to be able to inspire somebody one day. And maybe soccer is my mm-hmm. avenue to do that. But I learned that it wasn't. That desire to help and inspire never went away. And I, and I think it's that, that big picture that I was pursuing. That's what got me through all that. Do you know what I mean? And I know just the other day, we, mm-hmm. you and I talked about, like, when you know you're done, you just, you know. You know what I mean? And so that happened to me in a strange way. I'm going to ask how it happened to you. But just real quick, for those that don't know, for me, again, I had those weird cycles. I got the confidence up and then down again and up and then down. And I was all over the place. And I bought a one-way ticket to Thailand to do this showcase. And it was going really, really well. And then about 20 minutes into one of the one of the games, it just hit me like in my heart and in my head that this is it. I do not want to do this anymore. Midway through a game, in the strangest way, not in a sad way like oh my god this is over now, but in like the most re- relieving way that dang. I mean I, I set out to do everything that I try to do, and now I just know in my heart I have no regrets. I, I did what I wanted. This is just not it anymore. And it was the best feeling ever. And mentally I've been in an awesome place since then. So how did it happen for you? Like when was the moment? And then how do you think about it when you look back? Because, I, I mean, you're still playing. You still have the love for the game. That's never going to go away. But when you know it, it's not going to be the future anymore, when did that click? And then how do you feel about it? It's the, it's the weirdest thing how that moment, when, when, you, when you're so invested, you're like, that moment's going to kill me. It's going to crush me, right? Yeah. It's one of the most liberating things you can experience. Because then you realize, like, there are so, there's so much more to life than just soccer. Mm-hmm. And that moment for me, it came the last training session I had at, at uh, Saginaw Valley State University. Uh, a new coach had come in to take over the program because the original coach left, which put my chances of staying in the team way lower because sure. the original coach didn't see me play as much. He was actually one of the coaches at the Oakland University camp that I was going to. Uh-huh. He was the assistant coach for Oakland University, and he took over our program. So he had seen me play in the camp, but he never saw me play in a game. 
And I'm sure he had a whole bunch of players he was planning on bringing in uh, anyways, because he's from England. He brought a lot of English players in the next year. So my, my uh, how do you say, my destiny was kind of already decided sure. when he came over. And um, I had already been kind of playing a bit shaky at that point, which was weird. I played a little bit shakier in the, in the early fall. But by the time spring season came around, I was playing really good in practice. Mm-hmm. And he still didn't keep me. And I was like, you know what? I'm okay with that. I remember even having the end of the season meeting with him and the assistant coach. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm okay with this. Like, I'm completely okay with that. I literally, at the end of the final training session we had with the team, I, me and Hafid were, were walking next to each other. And we're like, like, we're free. Like, that's literally how it felt. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would, it would be like a negative thing, but it was a very positive thing. Yeah. Did it help having your brother there with you? I mean, I feel like it's... Oh it's gonna be God. nice. It's gonna be nice to have that conversation when you're both in like a very similar boat. So how how was that having somebody there with you the whole time? So it was it was it was very good because we have we have obviously the same interests. We've literally been together since birth. Yeah. But um yeah like all of the things that we thought were shitty we're like oh my god that's so shitty and we both thought it was shitty all yeah. the things that we thought were good oh this is cool. <laughs> but um I, I do want to say that it is it was kind of detrimental at the same time because. I didn't, I never made any networking or any connections when I was there. I was like, I got my twin brother. Right. Why do I need to talk to these people? All the players in the team, they like to party, drink, smoke, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll get in trouble for, you know, staying out or partying. Or one of the, I remember one of the players got drunk. He fell on the concrete and scraped up his hands. He didn't really get any, you know, punishments of playing time or anything like that. Me and Afid, we don't party, we don't drink, we don't smoke. We mm-hmm. have very good, I got all A's my, that fall semester. Yeah. I took 17 credits and was on the team. And, uh, I remember the coach chewed me out one time for missing like a, a, a health me- a team health meeting about like alcohol and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, I don't drink. Like I, I take care of myself, you know, why are you chewing me out? Yeah. But I feel like he kind of felt like maybe he regretted giving me that big of a scholarship because I wasn't performing to his standards or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it, it, I would say I'm glad I had him there with me. Yeah. I'm glad I had my twin there with me because that was a very low point. And I feel like, the the moment I stepped back into my dorm room after 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. class and then 3 p.m. to whatever training or playing soccer, when I got back to the dorm room, I'm like, all right, I can relax now. Yeah. Like, that's how I felt. Yeah. Was it to a point where, like, soccer is the last thing you look forward to that day? Yes and no. Because mm-hmm. soccer is soccer. Wherever yeah. you play it, it doesn't really matter if you're playing with shitty players or good players. It's soccer. Yeah. And, you know, you can control yourself no matter what. Mm-hmm. So you're going to enjoy it to an extent. Right. I, I feel like... Yeah, it might suck. Like, you're not playing as much as you want to, but you get to kick a ball around at the end of the day. Like, mm-hmm. I could have been in a way worse situation. Like, I got I got school paid for for a whole year. Like, yeah. I'm not going to complain about that. Right. But, um, yeah, I, 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 was, I was trying to find as many ways to enjoy it as possible, yeah. on the field at least. Did you feel, like, more pressure when you come from, like, a, a family soccer background or less? More, for sure more. Okay. Because, I mean, my dad played professional for 13 years sure. in, like, six different countries. Um, my older brother is a very talented player. Yeah. Uh, even my two oldest brothers played, and they were good when they played. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember Kareem, my older brother, who, who who had been you know playing abroad and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I remember when he was like 16. I was like 13 when I started to get good at soccer. I was 13. He was like, I don't want people to. He told me this. He's like, I don't want people to look at you and be like, that's Kareem's brother. Like that's it. Like that. He's not that good. Mm-hmm. I that stuck with me. So mm-hmm. I was like, I, I can't be shitty. Like I have to be good. Yeah. And. Uh, I feel like that just kind of growing up in this family, like you're not going to be bad at soccer. Mm-hmm. Like even if you don't like soccer, you're still going to be good at it because you're exposed to such great minds. And I'm not saying that in a bragging sense. I'm saying that in like, I know that we're good. I mean, if you're, if that's what your environment is. You grew up in that and you're constantly working on it. The, the only outcome is to be relatively good. 
You know what I mean? Exactly. So there's no, there's no bragging there. It, that, that's what you came up with, you know? Mm-hmm. So soccer, obviously, it, it's still a big part of your life right now, and you're doing it with the production company and whatnot. But what's life been looking like after that? Because a moment ago you said, obviously, there is life after soccer. There's so much more out there. So what does life look now look like nowadays for you since you don't play? What's, mm-hmm. what's the big thing you're, you're doing now? Obviously, the production. Um, but then you also mentioned with school. Are you still still going to school at all, or did you finish up with everything? So I, I ended up. So I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll walk it back to yeah. like right when I left Michigan. Yeah. So I ended up uh, coming back to Minnesota and finishing up school at the U of yeah. M, and um, that was a really interesting point because I was like, I had gone. I'm going to a school now at the U of M that I originally really didn't want to go to because they didn't have a soccer program. So I was like, mm, I really don't feel like being here. I didn't want to go here in the first place. And the first year I was there. I did the same thing I did when I was at Michigan. I'm like, I'm here to get my school done. I don't want to make any friends. Da, da, da. That was my mindset, which is just such a stupid mindset in hindsight. But um, I ended up like loving the campus, loving the student clubs. Um, I met some really, really good friends I'm still close with to this day mm-hmm. at the U. And um, leaving soccer, I, I wasn't playing soccer anymore, like like for, for, for school. So I had a whole bunch of free time. Mm-hmm. If you're in college and you don't play a sport or you're not part of a student, club you have no excuses to get all A's like (laughs) you have so much free time you're just a lazy bastard if you're getting anything less than all B's I'm just gonna say that straight up Mm -hmm. but I needed to find a competitive outlet somehow like I'm a very competitive person I'm a very active person so I needed to find something and it's really weird but I found that through uh the video game Smash Bros and I remember you played with played that with us a couple times when you were oh yeah but I got like obsessed with it like I got super obsessed with it and I got really I'm not gonna say really good but I got good yeah I ended up training with uh the number one player in Minnesota for about, you know, 10, 11 months. I ended up beating him in tournament, which was something that no one outside of the top 10 in Minnesota had been able to do for mm-hmm. a, like a X amount of years. Like it was a very good accomplishment. So like once I kind of did that, I was like, all right, what's next? Like I didn't really, there's no money in the game. Like I'm not going to get rich. All the top, like top players in the world, they're not making money. They're not making that much money off of it. Yeah. But um, after that, I was, and at the same time, I was, I was getting into boxing and MMA a bit. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to try this out. So lately, I'd say ever since like, a year, a year ago, mm-hmm. I had been doing, you know, jujitsu, boxing, kickboxing, a little bit of wrestling. So I, I've been staying active in, in those in those parts as well. Yeah. When you, who's your character in uh, Smash Bros? Oh, so originally it was Jigglypuff, the <laughs> pink ball. Yeah. Pokemon. <laughs> oh yeah. So let me ask yeah. you this then: when you when you do your jujitsu and all that stuff, you practice Jigglypuff moves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Fortunately, there's there, we're not allowed to kick people in jiu-jitsu, but yeah, and like uh-huh. grabbing, like gra- it's I've drawn a lot of uh, comparisons and similarities mm-hmm. between fighting games, not just Smash, but like fighting games in general and actual fighting. How like, so? for example, frame data in, in a fighting game. It's like okay, my character, he, he can punch or right? he throw a punch. So the time it starts the punch and the time he lands and the times he recovers, you can apply that kind of thinking to a real life right like uh-huh. if someone's really quick at uh, their jab you can kind of time it you can figure out okay this is when they're vulnerable this is when they aren't and same thing with like reach like different characters have different uh ranges like it's fl- the fighting games and fighting you're doing the same thing mm-hmm. just with a, a different uh like pathway you're uh-huh. doing the same thing interesting i don't know really your, pa- your passion of fighting actually got you a chance to meet some good fighters didn't you Yes. So my, my favorite really... fighter from, from when I grew up was Fedor Emelianenko, and we used to talk about him all the time when I was living there. And you got to meet him, huh? Oh yeah. How was that it, it was the the most like it's it's a, a kind of like a mind fuck. Like yeah. you 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 watch this guy on YouTube, 
for like five years straight. Uh-huh. And that, you know, I'm not going to say I idolized him. I idolized Krokop. You know <laughs> I know. I know. So Hafid, Hafid actually, my twin actually met him, I think, in 2018. Wow. But uh, so let's, I'll, I'll introduce how I kind of ended up in Japan, uh-huh. right? So my twin brother, he ended up contacting uh, Ryzen, the MMA promotion in Japan. Yeah. He just contacted him through Facebook. He said, hey, I'm really interested in MMA. I'm like, I, I, I want to do uh, like media, like marketing, media marketing for you guys. And uh, he, he wrote it like very eloquently, sure. very well laid out. And that caught the eye of the, um, the foreign relations guy at, at Ryzen. Mm-hmm. So he read, he, the guy who was managing the Facebook page said, you know what? All right, cool. Um, you know, just give me your contact. Give me some more of your contact info and we can follow up. And then my twin ended up interning with Ryzen in 2017, mm-hmm. then in 2018. And then last year, uh, I tagged along as, uh, as a video, uh, video assistant. And I also helped run the Twitter. And uh, it was the weirdest thing ever. I, I, I'm, at, I'm at the hotel on media day. Uh, it's a couple of days before the fights. Uh-huh. And I'm chilling. I got my camera. I got all my equipment with me. And Fedor comes in, walks right past me. He looks at he looks at me. You know he has blue eyes, right? Yeah. So I saw him, and on the inside I'm like, oh my god, this is Fedor. Uh-huh. But on the uh, on the outside I'm like, I'm just sitting there like this, just like. I nodded at him like that, and he was like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh my, my god, god, this is Fedor. It was the coolest thing ever. There was Rampage and uh, MVP. Some other some other pretty big names were there as well. Some yeah. ex UFC fighters. It was cool. That is unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, it's that, crazy. That was, but, was that in Japan? I thought you went to Japan yeah. for something. Yeah, that was yeah, that was in Japan. Okay, did you watch fights yeah, when you were there? Huh? Did you watch any fights when you were there? Yeah, I was ringside for the Fedor fight. I was ringside for Who that whole Bellator that event. What was that? Who did he fight then? Rampage, Rampage Jackson. Oh, that's right. Rampage was so out of shape, and Fedor took care of business oh, pretty yeah, easy. Was, everyone was clowning him. Yeah. But Rampage, dude. Rampage is funny. I got some him. I actually interviewed him as well. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And he's the he's just he he loves to clown like I, and I the. The thing is, when you're dealing with like people who are famous, yeah, you can't treat them like they're famous because that's how everyone treats them. You know, right. like they they get tired of that. It's better to just interact with them like normally. Right. Like I know Ramp, I, I used to watch uh, watch Rampage. Uh, he streamed on Twitch. He used to stream himself playing video games. Yeah, and um, I asked him about that. I'm like, hey, so like, yo, do you do you still stream at all? Like, how's that how's that been? Like, and I just make small talk. You know, sure. just to get him comfortable before the interview. He's like, nah, he's like, you know, I used to do it, but there's too many, like, pe- people clown too much. People hate, hate on me too much. I just kind of, like, got away from it. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, that's too bad. Like, I, I actually really enjoy watching your streams. And just try to keep it, like, casual, you know? Yeah. And we, I, I don't mean to, like, sidetrack too much, but uh, we ended up doing an interview with him and this uh, Japanese model who, she's ja- she's half Japanese, half Russian, uh-huh. but she she speaks decent English, so she was interviewing him, and I was I was recording this dude was all over her, like, <laughs> saying, like, oh, we go to the nightclub, and da-da-da-da. Uh-huh. He's funny. He, his personality really shines through. Like, yeah. like, when you see him, like, being funny on camera, he's the same way off camera. He's not, it's not a show. Sure. It's just really how he is. He's a funny guy. Yeah. You just hit on something really important that I, I think about quite a bit, and it was that moment when you had an interview with him, treating him like a person. That's all part of, like, communication and networking. Because you just never know where these things go. Kind of like Hafid when he messaged that person and he, and he put a, a message toge- uh, together very well and something came from it. I think communication is the name of the game and about everything that we do. I mean, you can have any degree in the world that you want to. You can be as good as you want to at something. But if the communication and networking isn't there, life's a lot tougher. You know what I mean? So very true. real quick, for those obviously that are listening, but I want to know what you think on this one. Because for me, 
I mean, networking, when you're trying to grow a business, like the production company that you're working on. I, I mentioned in a video recently when I talk to people, when I get guests, I do all the reaching now and the communicating, whether it's written or it's on a phone call or a, a Zoom meeting. That's the way I reach out to people so I can make something happen with these episodes. And that's how this grows because I think that a lot of people will just see um, someone doing well or doing a podcast or doing production and, well, how, how are they getting all this? How, how are they talking to all these people? They're just getting lucky. You know what I mean? It's a, yeah. it's a hell of a process. You know what I mean? Because like mm -hmm. I mentioned that I don't hear back all the time. I mean, I'll message and mention and put it out there. And I don't hear back very often. You know what I mean? And that's just kind of the name of the game. And so when you do your production or when you were doing that stuff overseas, you know, how do you think the networking and the communicating impacts what you're doing now and, and, and what you're going to be doing in the future? I mean, it's it's basically everything. Yeah. Like um, when we were when we were uh, the manager who brought us over, his, his name's Shingo. Uh, he he told us very strictly. He's like, when you're dealing with fighters, like, don't be all buddy buddy with them. Uh -huh. Like, don't take photos with them. Don't do this. Don't do that. Because you have to keep it professional. Yeah. And um, I made sure to do that. I was doing that, like, the whole time. Up until after the fights, I was like, it's Fedor Emelianenko. I got to get a photo with him, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And uh, same thing with Rampage. Like, I really made sure not to bother him, not mm -hmm. to try to hang around him too much. Like, I was literally walking past him, like, kind of, like, not not trying to be like this, like, staying away from him. But, like, just, like, he, he's just a person, you know? He's a human being. Yeah. He, he, he has to use the bathroom. He has to eat. He has to sleep. Just like us. Yeah. If you just treat them like that with respect, they will respect you, you know? Yeah. And, um, but yeah, in terms of communication, that's literally how you get opportunities in life. And right. if you can't communicate uh, effectively and clearly and have a good sense of humor and be able to relate to different types of people, yeah. you're not going to get anywhere in life. Right. Like you said, any degrees, any, any of that, papers, whatever you have, it's not really going to matter. Like if you can't hold a conversation, you can't really share ideas. Yeah. It's, it's, it's everything. Yeah. And I know that, I mean, you use that quite a bit, even when you're like using social media. And I know that you do it quite a bit when I, I see like some of the stuff you post and write and the videos and whatnot. And it's all, it's all, it, it's all positive for the most part, right? That, that's the goal. So what is, in your own words, what is the message you're trying to get out with the sort of stuff that you, that you post? Like on my personal pages? Correct. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot, there's obviously been a lot of there's negativity. There's a lot going on. You're and, from um, like Minnesota and you're in the thick of, of, of the, the whole mess. Oh right yeah. Now, you know? Yeah, I have a lot of friends, who, and it's this is kind of it's getting into politics a little bit, which mm -hmm. I don't mind. But it's like there's been a lot of negativity, and the media helps like divide people. Yeah, and uh, I, I see both sides of the issue, and there's parts that I, I agree with and parts I disagree with on both sides. Yeah, I was getting into it on Facebook a lot, like a little bit too much, honestly. Yeah, but we were in quarantine, and everyone had time to do it. So what the hell? And I I can take. People, I had people unfriend me. I had people call me all this, that, whatever. You're a coon. You're not a black for whatever. It did. I, I have thick skin. Anything they say, it literally doesn't affect me. Yeah. But um, I decided I was like, you know what? All of that, all of that effort I put into it, it really didn't. It didn't get anywhere. Like right. I had people at the same time. People were dissing me and stuff. I had a lot of people reach out to me and be like, oh my god, thank you for saying that. Like I, I, I agree with everything you said. You know, um, I think the exact same way you do. I just don't want to say it because people call me racist. Yeah. Uh, some white friends, some Asian friends, they're like, they, they, they feel the same way I do. Yeah. But they can't say it because people are just going to be like, oh, you're racist. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start trying to manifest, like, positivity mm -hmm. and speak things into existence. Like, you hear, you know, famous people say, oh, it's spoken into existence. That shit's real. Like, it's really real. Whatever you, th what you think, that's what you'll become. Yeah. And I used to, I used to, like you said, you know, people think you get lucky not lucky you make your own luck 
the more the more chances you the more attempts you make the luckier you get right. that's the the world works in a very weird way yeah but the more study the more studying you do the more effort you put in the better yeah. chances your outcomes will yeah. be good and I, and I agree with that 100 like it was there was times when things weren't going well when again you get into those bad places mentally where when somebody tells you you know as you think you'll become and all that stuff you're like just just shut the hell up you know what i mean when you're going when you're in the thick of it you know but there's so much truth to that and i, and I think that when you, you struggle so much in those moments when it's really dark because again you are only thinking about negative things and then what do you get more of exactly nothing goes your way everything is wrong everything is awful mm -hmm. because you get stuck in that vicious cycle that just repeats over and over and over again and, and it's it, it's convenient because it's, it's so familiar I think we all get stuck in that weird mm -hmm. mental place, whether life kicked our ass or something's just not going right. You get into that weird, dark place, that vicious cycle that we get stuck in. Not, so, not necessarily because we mm -hmm. want to, but it's just a little bit easier to be there than it is to get out of it, you know? So, what, like for yourself, when you get into those moments, in those, in those places, how, how, I guess how do you use that principle for yourself? What you think you'll become? How do you use that like daily? Look, as a real example, because I think I like to hear these terms they sound great, but I'm always about practicality. How, how do people use this versus me just telling you, hey, go think positive? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you give me well, an I example. Mean, how do you do it? I mean, a couple of ways that I actually like do it is I, I look at people who actually did it, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I'll watch, I, I'm, I'm into a lot of different things. I'm into soccer, I'm into bodybuilding, I'm into MMA, I'm into all these different things. And in every single sport without exception, the most successful people are the ones who who no matter what had confidence in themselves, mm -hmm. no matter what, mm -hmm. to the point where it's, 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 it's almost stupid, right? Like no matter how many failures, failures you had, you come back and you can rebrand yourself or re rediscover yourself, recreate yourself, whatever it is. Yeah. And to be honest, my biggest inspirations from each sport is going to be obviously Cristiano Ronaldo, Zlatan mm -hmm. from oh, yeah. soccer. Those are the two main guys because people wrote them off so many times and they're still on top of the game. Zlatan's damn near 40 and Ronaldo's 35 and they're still on top of the game, right? That's, that's purely from them believing in themselves because they're, they're not going to go home and they're not going to have their kids and their, their, their wives like tell them, oh, honey, you can do it. No, they have to motivate themselves. They have to take care of themselves. They have to do the recovery. They have to do the training. It's all on them. And then uh, it's the same thing in bodybuilding. And I feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger is without doubt the most, uh, you know, inspirational individual within the past 50 years, mm -hmm. easily, uh, along with Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. which is another one of the inspirational figures. Mm -hmm. But Arnold, Arnold always said, like, you have to have a vision. Like, you can have a, you can, he always says, yeah, you can have a, a great ship, but without, like, a, a direction you want to go to, you're just going to drift around with no direction. And that's, like, so true. And these, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, in, in this whole vision thing, you have to have a goal, whether it's a couple of mini goals or a larger, like, a, a larger goal, like, down, down the road. Mm -hmm. It's, like, everything from, you know, creating a schedule, sticking to the schedule, um, going, forcing yourself to be uncomfortable, go out and meet new people, go out and diversify your ways of thinking, your experiences, everything, yeah. try new things, figure out what you're good at, figure out what you're not good at, stay away from the things that you aren't good at and try to get good at the things you kind of, you have a knack for or a passion for. Right? right. And that's a good balance is, uh, finding something you're passionate for and something you're good at. Mm -hmm. Cause if you have a lot of passion for something, you're not so good at it. You're going to end up wasting your time. Yeah. And if you have, uh, if you're really good at something, and you do, and you don't, if you're really good at something, you don't have a passion for it, you're gonna make money, but you're not gonna be happy, right? right? So you have to find that that good balance, right? That, and I actually learned that from Ty Lopez too. There's there's so many people you can reach out and like look at, yeah. but ultimately you have to go out and do it at the end of the day. 
Correct. You can't just sit in, sit home and watch inspirational videos and then expect something to happen. Like, no, you got to go out and do it. Right, right. And that's like a common theme when you see across all the people at the top, whether it's sports, whether it's people that, that sell books, that you name it, the very, very top ones all had that same mentality to what they do. And I think that the, the passion thing and then what you're not good at, good at, the only way you learn that is by taking chances on your passion. I think it starts with if you don't have any experience yet, you have to ask yourself the right questions. How do I get in this field, this realm, this thing I'm passionate about? How can I work on that? Is there anything? If you ask yourself the question of how can you, you're usually going to get answers. And that's when it gets really uncomfortable because you got to do something about it. It's easier to say that, well, I'm passionate about this, but I just suck. Or I live here. Or they said that. Mm -hmm. And there's no point to try now. Do you see what I mean? So, like, I think fortunately mm -hmm. for, I think you and I have that mindset because with soccer, it's constantly getting uncomfortable. It's constantly, whether it's physically, mentally, and emotionally, moving, leaving family, stuff like that, going through that stuff on your own. You learn, it's a passion. So you're good at it to a certain extent. There's things you're not good at, but you learn that as you went. And you kept going and going and going. And that's, I feel like that's the only way you really get to a point where you can find that balance of passion and happiness and then skill, practicality of how can I actually make some money doing this. But that doesn't mm -hmm. happen, like you said, from sitting at home and then just wondering, well, what if I did this? What if I tried that? I'd be great at this because of this. You don't know unless you go and do. And I think you have to have that humility to where if you go out and try and it goes absolutely awful, maybe I can try again. Something did not work. Maybe I'm not a piece of shit and suck at everything. Maybe something did not work, and I got to change something. And if I make that tweak and I try something else again, I get more results. They might be awful. They might be great. And you just kind of make adjustments from there and so on and so on. But I think one of the things that is difficult is we, we almost put too much more emphasis on what other people think or say versus what we say. And that's why you get slowed down. Like you might be trying a few things. Some people do that. And then when it doesn't go right, and then the eyes are on them and you suck, it's not going well, you're getting judged, that's when you kind of stop. But to me, the only way you build confidence is to try those things regardless of the result. Because at the end of the day, then nobody can say nothing to you. You, you build confidence on your own just by trying these things. Failing and succeeding. Building confidence is what you do for yourself. You see what I mean? Would you agree with that? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, when it, like you said, you, you have to figure out on your own through, through failure, what you're good at and what you're not good at. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, that's that's how you build confidence. And um, God, I had, some, I had something on the tip of my tongue I really want to say. <laughs> when it comes to uh, like figuring out what your weaknesses are, mm -hmm. you have to really shed all pride that you have. Yes. Like you can't, I used, I was the biggest, I'm, I'm just going to straight, straight up say like, I was such a bitch when I played soccer, like mm -hmm. back then, because I, I was good and I knew I was good. But any weaknesses I had or any mistakes I made, I'd always be like, but this guy, but but this, but uh, but I'd always make excuses pointing at someone else, right? Mm -hmm. But once I stopped doing that, I quickly realized like, yo, there's really nothing stopping me from doing what I want to do. Like if I just focus on myself, fuck what anyone else says, yeah. fuck what anyone else is doing. Right. If I can go and do it, it doesn't matter. Whatever they did, it's irrelevant at this point because right. I went out and did it. Mm -hmm. And it's this, you, you can learn that in so many different ways. So many different ways. It's not... It's not just whatever, like if you're if you're playing a sport, it can be anything, mm -hmm. even at your job, even if you don't like it, you can still learn. Like, all right, I gotta I gotta just control what I can control, and have a mindset of acceptance. Whatever comes comes. Yeah. That's that's why I feel like okay, I, I really want to have an amateur MMA fight. Mm -hmm. Like I really want to do that, and I'm not scared of getting knocked out. I'm mm -hmm. not scared of getting choked out because if that happens, that's what's meant to happen. Right. That all the hours of preparation I did and all that, that kind of doesn't really matter. Like yes, you have to do that. 
but that's not what matters. What matters is like you going out there and just doing it. Yeah. Because it, I, I also, I'm, I, I would consider myself a religious person. I do believe in God and I believe that like, you know, ultimately things are under his control. So if I go out and I get knocked out, that was the plan. That was meant to happen for me. I wasn't meant to be a, vic- a victor on that night, you know? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of elite level athletes, they have that mindset, whether they're religious or not. They're like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. And I'm just going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to let my instincts take control and my muscle memory take control and whatever happens, happens. Mm -hmm. And having that mindset of acceptance and at the same time, a mindset of abundance, knowing like uh, I'm good enough to create enough chances where I can succeed. There's, there's nothing holding you back. Nothing. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think a big thing that does hold us back is that idea we have in our heads about ourselves before we've done anything. You know what I mean? Where I, I think I'm this big, great thing. I, I am the shit. I'm the best at everything. You just wait and see. You know what I mean? And then when you get opportunities and they don't go well, then you're crushed because you have this. Mm-hmm. We all think we're somebody before we're somebody, you know? Like the, the mindset. And that you I have to. At the same time, you have to oh, think you, that. You have to. You have with, to. with humility. I mean, that's like 100%. But with humility yeah. and now with arrogance. I mean, arrogance is like I am the shit no matter what. Humility mm-hmm. is I am always the one for the job, regardless of how the result goes. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Because like for yes. me to be arrogant is like. Did I'm you just... post that? I swear I thought some. I think you posted that. I'm not sure. I think you might have posted that. I've seen. I've seen something yeah. similar to that recently. Yeah, and yeah. that makes it makes perfect sense. Yeah, maybe I did. And I think like I don't, I don't know. I think maybe I heard that somewhere else before. But like when I think to, to myself, like how how do I like have how, how, keep my confidence and, and know that I'm really good at this thing that I do? But at the same time, how do I like stay humble and still give everybody else the time of day all the time? And that's when it clicked to me. Is like. Arrogance 100% is just, I'm better than you. That's arrogance, you know. For me, like, mm-hmm. to have that, like, true confidence is understanding that because of everything that I do and everything that I put in, for whatever this thing is that's about to come up next, I am the one for the job. Whoever's in my field, I am the one for the job. That does not mean that mm-hmm. I'm better than everybody else. You have to have that trust in yourself. You know what I mean? And I think that's made it much, much easier for me because I, I, I find a way to stay level-headed in that way. How do you do it for yourself? Mm-hmm. Not get, That's very Because you have to have that confidence. I mean, without confidence, that, that is like the name of the game. And if you do not have that, it doesn't matter what sense of direction you have, you're going to be in big, big trouble. You know what I mean? You're not mm-hmm. going to take the chances that you should be taking to get anywhere close to what you really want to do that's going to make you happy. You know, so you, you absolutely need it. There's mm-hmm. ways to develop it, of course. Um, but how do you keep that, that level-headed mindset? And I think, obviously, being in soccer and being humbled a few times makes a difference, you know? Oh my God. It's, I feel like I've been humbled more by uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu than anything else Mm. or just combat sports in general, but soccer, you definitely get humbled. Like, you know, when someone's better than you, when I, when I was in, I think it was 2013, I had the opportunity to go and play at Sochaux Montbelliard, which is a team in France called FC Sochaux. Uh And then uh, Monaco, which is, I'm pretty sure, you know, most people watch soccer, they know the team Monaco. Mm And um, I actually think Mbappe might have been there or uh, Martial might have, like, left right before I got there. Uh-huh. He was really – I'm sure he was a very young kid, like, 15 or something. But, um, yeah, like, training there, I got to see, like, okay, this is what the top – France has arguably the best academies in Europe. Like, they develop some of the best players. I've heard that. I've heard um, that. In terms of a country. A country, like, France has the best, you know, nationwide academies, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember there's this kid at Sochaux, his left-footed kid. I think he's Tunisian. His name's uh, Aiko. This kid was, you know, okay, you watch Messi, you watch Ronaldo, you watch these guys when they're at the top, right? Mm -hmm. And you never really see them behind the scenes when they're young. 
this kid, he's that kind of player when I was watching him. I'm like, this kid's different. I remember he, I think he had to miss training one session because he was injured or something and they had a game coming up for the reserve team. The coach literally pulled everyone together and they're speaking, he's speaking French, obviously, but he said, he said, I know Eichel's not here today, but we need to focus. We really need to focus on what our game plan is, even though he's not going to be here. So like he's, he's that, he's that uh, important to the team that before a training session, when he's not there, they're like, all right, he's not here, but we still need to do this and this and this. It's like, He's a different kind of talent. And I think he's actually playing at FC Porto now. I, I actually tried to keep up with him a little bit. I know Hafid still follows some of the Monaco players we met uh, in the academy on Instagram. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and get it, yeah, getting humbled. It's like, I feel like the way that I, I keep that mindset is, uh, hmm, that's an interesting it's one. It's interesting I did, one to I did like have really sit there and actually to, to think about it for yourself. You know I mean? Like, why do I actually do that? Where does that come from? It's a weird one to think mm-hmm. about. It is. Oh, yes. So I remember. So being humble, it is saying like, I, I am the one for the job, right? And you, like you said, it's not that, oh, I'm better than everyone else. It's just like, I'm the one for the job. And the funny thing is, the one for the job isn't always the best guy. Correct. It's not always the best guy. I, I posted something on Facebook recently and I said, you know, there's so many people who are actually the best at what they do, but then they just simply give up, mm-hmm. right? And then they end up not being the best. And I said, don't be one of those people. Yeah. And I remember I always had this conversation with Kareem and Hafid when we were younger, Keaton. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if there's some kid in Brazil. This was back in like 06, 2006. I was like, I wonder if there's some kid in Brazil who's better than Ronaldinho. And Kareem's like, yeah, there probably is, but he's just not playing. Yeah. And that, that really, I was like, I wonder like, you know, what would his, like, what does he look like? What's his name? Da, 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 like yeah. everything. Like I had a very like creative mind when I was thinking about that kind of stuff. And it's, it's still true to this day. Like even like UFC champions, they're not the best fighters all the time. They're just the guys who won the belt. And they, they were able to match up correctly and win the fights. It's not always the best guy who's the champion, right? right? I think we can agree. In any case, it's not always the best team who wins in soccer. And that's very often. Perfect perfect example of that, like, 2012 uh, Chelsea winning the Champions League. It's like, they weren't the best team, but they beat the best team. You yeah. know, it's like, you don't need to be the best to win. Right, right. Or to be the one for the job. Yeah. That's that's how I view it. Like, yeah. You don't need and, to be the best. And that's you just have very, to be that, the right one that, for that that's, time. That's a very nice thing also that he said that there could be some kid out there that is better than Ronaldinho or better than Messi, better than Ronaldo, you know, but just isn't doing anything yet. And I feel like just, just that thought alone, like one of the monikers I live by, like the philosophy I live by is that I'm just a kid from somewhere. And I think mm. every single one of us is just that. And that's how we start. You know what I mean? Every, every person you see that's at the top doing well or doing poorly, doesn't matter. They were also all just a kid from somewhere. And I believe that, that that's reason enough to just go for it and see what happens. You know, Th- that's been my mindset for quite a while now. Is that something you think about as well? Definitely. Yeah. I, I always, I, I, I would watch documentaries of these successful people and they would go back to their hometowns yeah. and be like, oh, this is where I used to hang out with my friends. This is where I used to you know, kick the ball around against the wall and da, da, da. And I always thought like, like I would like to do that someday where if I'm in a position where I'm successful and I have influence and I would like to go back and be like, yeah, I'm from this. This is my city. This is where I, this is where I grew up. This is the street I lived on. Like that kind of stuff. I think about that a lot. And you just gotta, you have to like appreciate the people who are successful, but at the same time, view them as your competition and be like, what can I do to be better than them? Right. Yeah. I feel like that's that's another thing that's important. I, I think yeah, being people, a being a kid from somewhere, you you have to keep that in mind. You have to always, you always want to put on for your people. Always, always. So real quick before we end this one here, just real quick, you come again from that soccer background, family, bunch of brothers who played. 
where's everybody else or where's all your brothers today? I know you're doing your thing with, with the production. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what Hafid's doing. I heard Kareem's coaching now. Um, but when you come from a mm-hmm. soccer family, I think it's sometimes expected that everybody's going to be doing something within soccer also. Has that been the case? Or what's everybody doing now? Yeah, for the most part, that's been the case. Yeah. Um, my older brothers are coaching soccer. Keaton still coaches. Um, Kareem coaches. He coaches the, the men's team, the, yeah. the Granite City FC. Mm-hmm. He also coaches for Maplebrook Academy. Um, he also, I think he, he has another job as well doing, uh, staffing for, a, for a nursing pro for, for nurses uh-huh. nationwide. It's not just in Minnesota, it's nationwide, sure. but, um, Hafid, he's doing, he's finishing his master's in sports management and he still coaches. He still plays too. Um, my father still, he still coaches. He, he runs, he run, he's the coaching director of Maplebrook, uh, soccer Academy. And, uh, he, uh, we've all been nagging him, like, just go coach a professional team somewhere. Mm-hmm. Go go. Go move to Qatar and get that oil, that Arab oil money, you know, something like that. Like that's seriously, like you yeah. have the ability to do it. Yeah. We know that you've had the ability to do it for years now. Yeah. You already have your FIFA licenses. Go out and do it. Stop hanging around in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But you know, he he's his own man with his own life, his own desires. So we'll encourage him to do it, and mm-hmm. I hope he does do it because there's a lot of money to be made. Yeah. But we're we're all we're all we're all still hanging around soccer. That's good. That's good, man. All right, dude. I appreciate. You're doing this with me today. This has been super, super fun. Um, again, for those of you that don't know Munir, again, we've known each other for a few years now. Soccer brought us together a little bit, and then here we are a few years later, and we haven't played with each other. It's been like two years or so since we even saw each other, you know? Yeah, it's been But a again, while. they call it a beautiful game for a reason. It brings people together like this. It gets you through hard times. It makes good times even better. Um, so without further ado, I think this is where we're going to end it. Um, thanks again so much, everybody, for listening. I'm Stable, and this is Vision is Greater Than Anything.